If you have a tool and you don't know how to use it, then it's really like you shouldn't even have it because then it becomes a technical debt. Building a stack isn't easy. And in many cases, you have tools in your stack that you aren't even using and these things affect your business. Whether it's affecting your page speed, your marketing budget, or it's just the rogue bug that no one finds until it's too late, you need to keep your stack clean. That was Eigen Soleimanova, VP of Product Marketing at Datadog. She had some great insight into what happens when you don't have a clear owner or documentation of your tools. So if you have a tool and you don't really document the usage of it and you don't create an environment where people are trained to use it, and there's one brilliant person who knows how and that person leaves, that's an institutional knowledge also you don't want to run into. This is Dan McGaw, CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw.io. Each week, I speak to executives to find out the strategies and tactics they're using to drive revenue and the tech stack they're using to make it all possible. Eigen has been in product marketing for over a decade, with five of those years at Salesforce. Now her career has taken her to Datadog. Datadog is a cloud monitoring and cloud analytics platform. They've been around since 2010, and their IPO in 2019 was a huge hit at a $10 billion valuation. In August of 2022, they posted a 74% year-over-year revenue growth for the second quarter. They are obviously doing something right. Eigen will take us through how product marketing works at Datadog, how her team is focused on percentage of product penetration, and how she's enabling the sales team to achieve that trailblazing growth. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about the tech stack too. I'm a tech stack nerd. How could I leave that stuff out? But let's jump into the interview. I'm Aigun Suleimanova, and I am the Vice President of Product Marketing here at Datadog. So help me understand, though, I mean, so you do product marketing at Datadog, but how would you describe Datadog to the audience? Datadog is a complete observability and security platform for DevOps and SRE teams and any IT teams, really, our expanding portfolio brings more people into the fold, developers, security people who need visibility into their cloud infrastructure, into even their on-prem infrastructure, into their applications, their network, in order to troubleshoot and in order to deliver amazing experiences to their customers. Interesting. So it basically monitors the infrastructure and makes them aware when the things are going wrong and provides them observability of how the infrastructure is being managed. Yes, uh, and infrastructure is just the beginning of it. It's application services, it's tracing all the way to where the issues are. It is a network, it is log management, it is real user monitoring, it is synthetic testing, and it's also monitoring for security of your cloud configuration and of your application security in real time. So it runs the full stack from bottom to top from infra to all the way to real user monitoring. What does product marketing mean? Like most of the people listening to the show are marketers and they're mainly like awareness marketers or mops people in many cases, but like what is product marketing supposed to be doing? Product marketing is this layer of translation between what the product does and what the customer needs. So really product marketing in all of marketing comes first. So before you even think about promoting your product, you have to think about who you're positioning this for. Who are you positioning it against? Who is the customer at the end of the day and what their needs are? And really 
messaging against the needs of the customer with the right features and capabilities of the product. So now, when I think of like a regular marketer, their job is to make people aware of the product, but yours is one, to make sure that that messaging that they're maybe using resonates, and then also to make them more sticky once they're in the product. Exactly. There's one side of it, which is the retargeting, and I'm not talking about social media or anything, but if in the messaging, in the copy that you're putting in there, it's not resonating with me, and that's who you want to sell things to, really, then there's a mismatch of who the customer is and what they really want. Now, in your role, you are doing product marketing, you're leading the product marketing org, but what are the KPIs or the main metrics that you're measured on, and then as well as what are you measuring your team on? Yeah, I mean, for sure. If you position a message of the product right and there is a product market fit, the product will sell. So obviously we would do start with ARR in mind. Is is this product going to be commercially successful? What can we do in terms of positioning, messaging, and go to market to do that? But a lot of the metrics that product marketing is directly responsible for are these proxy metrics that lead to ARR, right? What is our win rate against our competitors? What is the number and quality of product launches, which are like more uh, leading indicators, right? We wake up thinking about landing the product in the right way, and there isn't an exact way to measure it except for are you doing all the things in the checklist, right? Are you getting feedback from the customers as to how it's landing? There's also KPIs around percent of penetration with other products, users of other products that you want to cross-sell or upsell to, right? Here at Datadog, Every product marketer is like the mini CMO of their product. So they're really waking up and thinking about the growth of their product. And in order to do that, they look at multiple opportunities, whether it's new signups and number one KPI, right? New signups through free trial. We are a very product-led organization. Or it's looking at existing customer base who have X or Y product who can be a great candidate to buy this other product next. And what? how are we penetrating that base who doesn't have this product but could have? So, And then number of reps enabled and number of leads from a product campaign. And so these are all the little metrics that we can measure product marketing success on. But at the end of the day, if you ask me, what is the hardest thing to measure in marketing across all marketing, it would be product marketing because there's a lot of things that you just do that you know is right or not afterwards. You talked about, like, of course, ARR is always like the big metric everybody talks about, but you have these proxy metrics back to win rate, product launches, landing with the right customer. And an interesting one you brought up was kind of penetration uh, percentage. And when I hear that, I guess it's like, so I'm assuming Datadog has multiple SKUs. How many SKUs do you have? Like how many products do you have in the suite? If you look at GAs, it's 14. If you look at public betas, it's upwards of 20 plus, And it's just, that's where we're at, yeah. And then you're trying to get as much penetration with those SKUs into an account. And that's what you're measuring in that penetration percentage? Yes. I mean, with the way Datadog's kind of product strategy works is a lot of times it happens organically. And product marketers are just there to be the advocate for customers' journey to make sure they're exposed to the right steps in their journey at the right time. It is not like we have these massive campaigns trying to cross-sell. A lot of it happens organically. We're just there to make sure to to look at the data and to guide our uh, customers in that direction with the 
purpose of being helpful to them, <laughs> first and foremost. And then a lot of that, when you think about like that, trying to get the penetration and trying to get people cross-sell, upsell, are you using things like in the product to do this? Like, is there products in the customer journey or ways that you're doing this in the product so that they just see it uh, compared to like advertising to them? Yeah, a lot of things, first and foremost, we think about the product experience before we think about the marketing experience, right? Because if you are clear. It's funny, um, one of my first product launch meetings at Datadog, I put my hand up and said, I want to do like a, launch this particular product myself to see how things are done here. And I'm used to in product launch meetings, talk a lot about our external message and our strategy and tactics and have all the teams. In that product launch meeting, what struck me and I appreciated so much is 80 or 90% of the time, we talked about the bar chart in the product and how the customer might perceive how it's helping them and how they might navigate from something else to that product. Like it was about log anomaly detection and it's, and I was pinging my PM counterpart and saying, this is amazing. This is incredible. So absolutely, we're thinking first and foremost, how customer can be exposed in the right way, in a natural way, in the within the product to that feature. And then we're taking it back to its benefits and everything to our marketing. So there's a pretty, you're pretty attached at the hip to product, right? So like they're, of course, working on product experience, but you're impacted by the product experience. And then you're trying to optimize that product experience to get people to expand into other products in essence and then get deeper penetration. Absolutely. Our first goal is to see what product does and really close the gap of understanding of the customer, what it actually does and where to find it. We're focused on the user's experience so much more before we're focused on the buyer's experience or like economic buyers who might sign a huge contract with us. So that's where our focus is. I think this is a very interesting concept we should talk about, percent of penetration into their product. We talked about this a few weeks back with Peter Mahoney and he called it depth of adoption in our conversation. And we were talking about their leading indicators. And then it's really about sort of depth of adoption of our platform, because we know that as we get people really engaging more deeply within the platform, that's a great early indicator of what success and value is going to be. And those are, of course, our precursors of long-term renewal and expansion of those customers. Simply put, if you have a complex product and you want your customers to get the most value out of it, you need to make sure that they use as many features as possible, especially if you have multiple SKUs for each additional feature, aka SKU means more revenue. Eigen has a tough role of making sure the customers get as much use out of the Datadog platform as she can. And she has to do this by partnering with product and also figuring out the perceptions of the customer. I want you to think about that long and hard. Whenever a marketer looks at what they're doing, in most cases, they're only focused on the experience. And in 75% of the cases, they base this experience on how they feel, not the way on how the customer feels or how the customer perceives it. In the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there's a great line which changed my thinking. People's perceptions are the lens at which they view the world. And the lens is what they use to decide how they feel about something or how that experience is making them feel. You can do all the work in the world to create a great experience for your perception, but if your customers have a different perception or different lenses in what the book says, then you're giving off an entirely wrong message. 
Make sure you go back and check out Peter's episode. He had some great things to say about time to value for his product as well, and a bunch of other great things. All right, let's get back to Eigen. Now, when you think about like you're trying to drive ARR, you need to increase the win rate, you're helping with product launches, you have this penetration number, even number of reps enabled, which to me is super fascinating. I guess like when you think about like really moving the business forward, what are some of the projects that you're running or initiatives you're running that are helping you kind of improve those metrics? That's a good question because it always changes depending on the initiatives, depending on the type of company you join. But at Datadog, we are at a stage where we need to create amazing, repeatable processes and culture. So all of my initiatives are focused on establishing a best practice gold standard of things. The first is formalizing our product launches in a way that As we take more products to the market, it makes sense to customers. They understand where it's coming from and why, and they're tiered properly. And we're doing a great job in the quality of launches across all channels. We're working with all the stakeholders, right? Campaigns, enablement, and other people in the company. And the second is the more we have more products, the more they are related, actually. You can't sell a single product in a silo without understanding the full picture of the platform and the fact that you can jump from one to another to another, and that's where you get the complete visibility. So uh, we are rolling out storytelling frameworks and journeys for customers to understand the full breadth of product, a single product in the context of other products. So those are the things that also tie into cross-sell and upsell, right? We know we're working very closely with our product and pre-sales and post-sales teams to understand what are the best things we can recommend to customer to use in terms of products if they have given their scenario and if they have X, Y, or Z products. So cross-sell and upsell is the other one. And the fourth one is really enabling our sellers. We have we are a bottoms-up product-led company, but we also have sellers who engage with customers and we want them to speak the language of the customer, both sellers and the customer success. Interesting. So, you know, you talked a, a little bit about you're trying to formalize this product launch experience. You want to make sure that you create more product consistency and storytelling. But you have a big focus on this cross-sell and then as well as enabling the sellers and the team. I guess like when I think about the cross-sell and then enabling the sellers and the team, how are you actually doing that, right? Like when you are partnered with sales on trying to get this cross-sell and then also enabling those sellers, and you said you need to learn a lot about the customer. I mean, I guess like how are you going about doing that? Like and what products and tools are enabling your research or enabling you to actually deliver on that? Obviously, there are collaboration tools that we use to formally kick off some projects like Jira and Confluence. We also have we are heavy users of Slack, no surprises there. But uh, in order to understand the customer's world, we just quite like reach out to sellers. We ask to be involved in calls to hear what the customers are saying. And we're even starting to think about the conversational intelligence and call recording to help us with that. So we are using a lot of tools. A lot of the tools are just speaking with sellers and speaking to customers. And after that, in order to enable them to understand what exactly they need, we go back and 
build content and materials and test it with the field. All of that right now happens over good old uh, Google Drive and Google Documents. (laughs) But at some point, I'm imagining we will have a more formal um, survey and feedback tools that can help us scale all of that. So one of the things you had talked about is I heard that your team is doing uh, some tests with Gong.io to kind of learn a little bit more about the customer and have a call recording software that can kind of help you. Can you talk to a little bit about how you're trying to test that tool? Yeah, it's actually run out of our enablement organization who are rolling it out, but I am myself fairly familiar with Gong and I've used it at the previous company as well. And I already have kind of the use cases carved out for my team who are going to be getting access to. It's really understanding, uh, first of all, qualitatively listening to calls, just having that access. I remember in my previous or company, I would listen to three, four calls a day for pattern recognition myself without even getting the intelligence, looking at the intelligence that Gong was telling me. And uh, the other thing is we are we're going to start to look at things like where pricing comes up, where competitors comes up. And the third probably step in our journey will be as we roll out this new storytelling frameworks and new way of talking about products and the platform, that will be an amazing thing to see. How is it testing with the customers? How are they seeing it as reflecting their world and where we can improve. So I am super excited for that insights that that will bring. Yeah, and super, super helpful. I mean, I think products like Gong or Chorus AI, any of these conversation intelligence products really help us kind of hear what the customer is saying. And I think in a lot of cases, most marketers kind of forget what the customer is saying is usually the most valuable marketing. If you can use the words that they are saying, you can usually resonate much better with them if you use that in your marketing. And I'm curious, you know, when you think about enabling these sellers, right, you talked about that earlier, that's a big initiative of yours. I mean, what are some of the things that you're doing to better enable the sellers? And then what are some of the products you're using maybe with sales or even with your team to collaborate on that and then have them deliver it out? Yeah. um, So we have built a thing called Product Wiki where our sellers, again, they really have to be articulate and speak the language of the customer, however technical that is. So on the tools that we have, like we've built it on Confluence is a complete uh, repository of from messaging, positioning to objection handling, to FAQs, to demo scripts, to like competitive battle cards and everything is lives in that like super simple and not sophisticated uh, product wiki environment where they can go and search. But as our products grow in size, we the idea would be to help them within Salesforce or within the tools they're using to recommend maybe through custom building custom logic and applications to recommend the next best product to sell. And that would be the ideal scenario. The other opportunities are really working with them, rolling out kind of the competitive enablement competitive soft tools and software. And I get a lot of calls from all of these companies, but the reality is we are a company that like focuses on the basics first and then it really has to hit the volume and critical mass in order to think about it at a system level. And that's what I appreciate honestly about Datadog where I've been at companies that 
they wanted to bring all the tools in uh, from the beginning. And uh, sometimes you just need to be start super lean and uh, to test the environments and then keep adding on the most important things. Aiken just mentioned something super useful, and I want to stop and focus on it. We have built a thing called Product Wiki. Yeah, that's a product wiki. At the end of the day, if your sales team does not have the product knowledge or the positioning they should be using for one of their ICPs, there's a really good chance they're going to lose the deal. But that is where product marketing comes in. They know exactly the pains, the pressures, and the needs of your ICPs. They create the messaging, the angle to use, and they also make sure everybody at the company knows how to market the product. And that's where the product wiki comes in. It's a hub where everyone can learn about the product to make sure they market it and sell it better. The product wiki is similar to the more commonly known concept of competitor battle cards. Battle cards make it so you can dominate your competition on any call. Here's what Eric Manser, VP of product marketing at Crayon, had to say about what is in a battle card. Gone are the days of giving your sales team a training session that features a thousand data points about your competition and expecting them to remember it all. Look, training sessions are great, particularly when you want to get in the weeds on a particular competitor. But the reality of it is, a lot of these sales conversations are happening down the barrel of a Zoom camera. So you've got the opportunity to provide your team with sustainable, actionable data that is much more relative and much more quick fire, something that can act as a second screen experience. The vast majority of our customers here at Crayon are using battle cards for both aspects. Not only training and keeping their sales team up to date, but keeping them up to date in the moment and placing those battle cards, embedding them in locations where they're spending most of their time, whether it be Salesforce or Seismic, Highspot, you name it, it's available to them at a moment's notice so when a competitor comes up in a conversation with a prospect, they have access to those data points and they can fire back the perfectly curated pieces of competitive intel they need to close that business. You have to remember, people buy products to solve a pain point or to make things more convenient, and you're almost always being compared to the competition. So whether you're using a product wiki to teach your team how to sell better or a battle card so you can beat the competition, all of this is product marketing enabling sales, and it is one of the reasons why Datadog is crushing it in the market. If you want to learn more about sales enablement, go back to my episode with Kyle Lacey from Seismic. You just heard Eric from Crayon mention Seismic in that clip I just played. Kyle and I had a great chat about how to enable sales. Now let's get back to Egan. One of the things we talked about is that you have an overall lean stack, right? So like in product marketing, you're doing a lot more collaboration in tools like Google, Jira, Confluence, and Slack. I'm curious though, like what is in the stack for product marketing? Like what are the tools your team and you are most interacting with? Is it a lot in Google Suite or is there other products like analytics products or sales engagement products that you're also working with? Everything that you listed is probably we spend 60 or 70% of our time in the Google Drive, Google Slides, and Google Docs, and creating content and or collaborating. A lot of it is just listening and pouring it all into the documents that sellers and other parts of the marketing organization can use. Insights are super important. We're a very data-driven product marketing organization. So analytics-wise, we, we use things like Metabase to pull our, all our customer usage and account data. Uh, we also use uh, Salesforce quite a bit to look up deals and look for win-loss analysis To because un- our sellers are 
updating actually <laughs> CRM and that's one of the things that they are trying to keep up with the hygiene. And we talked about the roadmap, right? Things, the conversational intelligence tools, those are the things and competitive tools, those are the things that are in our roadmap. Now tell me a little bit more about Metabase. I actually was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago and somebody's like, hey, can you give me an opinion on Metabase? But I, I don't have a lot of experience with it. It sounds like your team is pulling data from that. So is Metabase an analytics product? Because I somebody was comparing it to a customer data platform. Um, so I wasn't sure, like, how is your, your team using Metabase? You said pulling insights, but like, is that all they're doing in there? Yeah, it's m- mostly understanding, like searching for a certain population of customers who are using certain products, really slicing and dicing that data to understand the customer's journey. We have a very strong analytics team as well. So a lot of the templates and reports have already been built. So that's just doing some white space analysis. So the team really like gets up to speed with Metabase, I would say, very fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So they're getting a lot of their reports out of there. And then you're also using, you're very data-driven, so you're using Salesforce to kind of dig into the deals and understand what's going on. I guess, like, how does your team turn that deal information in Salesforce into insights and then into action with what you're doing in the product? Every product has uh, is tagged in, a lot of times in opportunities. So first and foremost, as I said, our product marketers are really enabled to own the full marketing for their products. And that's why they care about the growth. So when they go to Salesforce, they try to look for deals that have their products attached and they want to understand where it was originated, how fast did we win and why did we win? And also look up the tags by competitors and see who we're losing the most to if we are. (laughs) We don't as much. Uh, What is the enablement opportunity? If there is like, we see one or two seasonal competitors Mm -hmm. pop up, uh, we just notice that, we look into those deals, we see what were the things that could be improved, whether it's in positioning and messaging, or whether it's reaching to the right champion. So we just try to get all that data and turn it into not just a win-loss for win-loss, turn it into a certain solution. Is it enablement? Is it product gap? Should we route it back to product teams saying that like this thing, it keeps coming up as the reason why we lose. So we should close that gap earlier than other things you have on the roadmap, for example, right? Or it's like, hey, sellers really don't know how to talk about this product. Should we pair them up with sales engineers? Should we um, just see if we can simplify the message or just do a better training. So that's kind of, those are the things that we do to, as we do win-loss analysis. Now I'm interested, you, you talk a lot about they're getting involved with the win-loss analysis and getting involved with the Salesforce deal. I mean, how much is your team like real-time actively involved with a deal? Like, are you getting involved and then helping them understand how they should do sales enablement? Or is that owned by a different department? It depends on the product. Some products are quite mature and there is a sellers are very comfortable talking about it. When it's a new product, my product marketing team might get more involved to understand the initial deals, to understand the gaps in enablement. So I would say the more mature the product, the less involvement, the less mature, the more involvement from PMM team. 
Interesting. And then most of this winds up in Confluence. You had mentioned Confluence. You have a product wiki in there. So is sales mainly using Confluence as their way to consume the sales enablement that you have? And then you're trying to add more product marketing stuff there so that way they can better sell the products and features? Yeah, we also have a video training tool. So the central repository is in Confluence, but there are lots of videos that track the progress of the sellers, whether they listen to the video or not. That uh, is a key part of our enablement toolset as well. I guess like Confluence seems to be an area where your team puts a lot of information. And it sounds like Confluence and Slack and enablement products are really the way that product marketing is running, right? Is it's mainly about a lot of those collaboration tools and you supporting other departments with materials, documentations, and things along those lines. Yes, and a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings. How do you how do you run effective <laughs> meetings? Like I have to be curious. Like, are you just using a Google Doc to track these meetings, or do you even have a meeting tool? So Product marketing sits at the intersection of product management, sales, customer success, campaigns team. So those are people we interact with all the time. So really super cross-functional role. The way we're keeping track, I mean, we have a we have a practice or culture of making sure the agenda is set ahead of time. So a lot of meetings have an automatic Google doc attached to it with agenda. So that's a good practice. and But sometimes we're moving so fast as an organization that you just pop into a meeting, you pop uh, into someone's day right then and there, and then just like start talking. There's, there's a lot of that happening as well. I have to stop here for a moment and talk about how meetings can be an extremely ineffective use of your time. There are literally books written about how meetings suck and as well as books that talk about how to make them better. Meetings in most companies are the most inefficient use of time. That sounds extreme, but let's be honest, it's totally true. People spend hours and hours in meetings that could have been a Slack message or an email or simply just, I didn't need to be in that meeting, right? I'm an extra person that doesn't need to be here. However, meetings are also necessary. That's why it's super important to implement good processes to help maximize your meeting effectiveness. There are some really cool tactics and tools that can help you. Let's start out with the tactics. First, always make sure you have a goal or intention of the meeting. I learned this from a tip that I heard from Oprah about how she always makes sure that the intention of the meeting is set up front. Be clear with everybody coming into the meeting what you were there to accomplish. Next, you wanna make sure that you have an agenda even before you start the meeting, and preferably the agenda has been reviewed before you even go to the meeting. If you haven't had a chance to review it, make sure you take five minutes at the beginning of the meeting and everybody reviews that agenda to make sure we're on the same page and we're talking about the most important points. And finally, you need to make sure that you have the ability to have common notes that everyone in the meeting can see. This is where the tools come in. As an example, internally at Magad.io, we've built our own meeting tool called Hole Punch. This product is where we have the goal of the meeting, the agenda, and where everybody takes the same notes. It is kind of like collaborating in a Google Doc. I can see if other people are typing, they can see if I'm typing, and we all know exactly what everybody is talking about, and this keeps us aligned. I again just mentioned Google has this new feature in Google Calendar where you can create a Google Doc agenda right from the calendar and get your team organized. We built our tool before Google created 
created that. And our tool integrates directly into like Trello. So our tasks are integrated from our meeting and everything is automatically project managed. And if you're interested in beta, our tool, just hit me up on LinkedIn, but definitely go check out the one that Google has in GCal. There's other tools out there though, like hugo.team or fellow.app. And these meeting tools can help you set agendas, provide those relative notes, and as well as assign tasks. So that way you can run highly effective meeting where everybody leaves with the same idea of what you need to go do. Eigen and her team are partial to Google Calendar's new agenda feature, and that's pretty cool. So let's hear more how that works for her. I love that because, you know, it forces you to go in and add agenda or go in and look it up. And like you actually, a lot of times what we do is we also use that as a place to save notes. Uh, And if it's a recurring meeting, you just can see all the notes uh, rolling uh, for the past meetings as well. So you have more context. So I think that's a brilliant feature. I love it. Like you're in meetings all day long, right? Yeah. I I average a seven or eight meeting days. So (laughs) yeah. So you're doing a lot of meetings and using that agenda tool to ultimately help keep you effective. Yeah, and what happens is in as part of these meetings, we also combine Slack. So in that moment where things come up, when you want something to be a little more actionable, you don't just put it in the agenda while someone's taking that note. Like I go in and Slack someone immediately. So because, you know, things happen faster on Slack. Yeah, you talk about the tasks there. So, but I get you're sending tasks in Slack, but what about like a project management tool? What are you using for project management? We'll use Jira very heavily. There are some formal things that product marketing team does, like at events, we make sure we support the event with content and demos and follow-up content. So the other teams actually submit Jira tickets to product marketing requesting those things. And then our design team uses Jira as well. So we, we use it quite heavily. And then so in Jira, so you do these meetings, you're taking notes, maybe some things end up in Slack, and then a lot of them become tickets in Jira. Now, is that how you kind of oversee the projects and tasks that your team is working on? Or do you you have another method to make sure that you kind of keep a running tally? Because it sounds like you've got a lot of products that you've got different product marketers on. So it's got to be a lot to kind of watch over. Well, we have a system for that, and that's called OKRs. So we're very, very buttoned up in our OKR process, and every person thinks about their product's full success in OKR. So everyone, individual contributor or manager who oversees the individual contributors really guides them to write their product-based OKRs. And at the end of the day, I don't even have to look. I just have to check in and see everything is fine to make sure I'm providing the support that's necessary. I mostly look at numbers, how we're doing in new logos, or like how are we doing uh, in terms of like product momentum with the customers to make sure to come in and say, you know what, you had that thing in your OKR. Can you like deprioritize that? Now there's this other important thing. So what happens is when they create OKRs, there's also a reporting and scoring of OKRs every quarter. So every quarter when they present new OKRs to our executive team, they also score what happened in the previous OKR. So that's where everyone, not just me, gets to see all the action that's happening for growth and product launches from a product marketing perspective. Can you share what you're using for OKRs? Google Docs. <laughs> so, really? So you're not even using a platform, you're just using Google Docs? We switched to Google Slides. 
Google Slides is what we're using for OKRs, which I think is great. So because like you're super lean and mean with your tools, like I think it's hysterical because Datadog is, I mean, my company is 30 people, but we have Lattice for our OKR management. We have a tool for everything. And I love the fact that you've kept it so focused just into this suite of Google, right? Like you're using Google Docs to track the meetings. You're now using Google Slides to track OKRs, which I think is great. Like keep it lean. Now, when you think about like recommendations, right, that you think about being able to give other marketers, maybe there's two or three recommendations that you would give other marketers when you think about building the stack. Coming from my experience, I would say keeping it lean at first so that you build intentionally, right? Uh, you, you layer it on and you're aware if you have a tool and you don't know how to use it, then it's really like you shouldn't even have it because then it becomes a technical debt. And then also if you have a tool and you don't really document the usage of it and you don't create an environment where people are trained to use it and there's some, one brilliant person who knows how and that person leaves, that's an institutional knowledge also you don't want to run into. So I would say start lean. Of course, tools can give you superpowers but you really have to like take it one step at a time. Yeah, layer it on for sure. Now, are there any tools that have been really part of your success in your career? I mean, personal or commercial, like tools you use all the time or things that have helped you be more productive? I live in Google Slides, but then Keynotes is where like the mastery of their storytelling can really, really show itself. I love that tool and it kind of has been the cornerstone of my career. I can say like uh, whether I'm presenting internally to a, a plan to inspire people, everything, the transitions, <laughs> like I think that's, that's a very simple answer, but uh, I would start with that. Now, Keynote, you know, I think it's a fantastic tool. It's actually one of the reasons why I hate using Google Slides is because Keynote is just so good. But it sounds like you really like Keynote, but you're using Google because it's better for collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. Keynote is for special cases. Yeah, I, I love it. I make all my slides in Keynote, so I'm not good at Google Slides at all. This has been fantastic. You know, uh, I really appreciate you doing this and being able to come on and share with all of us. I've learned a lot more about product marketing and the stack that product marketing is using. So I really appreciate you taking the time with us. Great. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here. And thanks for having me. It was super fun to talk about product marketing. I think this is a typically unknown place for most marketers out there. To do a deep dive on Egan, a true legend who has led product marketing at Progress, Salesforce, and now Datadog, let's recap some of the things that we reviewed. First, your top priority for product marketing is percentage of penetration into the product. As a product marketer, the ultimate goal is to bring forward a product that customers are going to love and in turn be able to use all of its bells and whistles. If you want to get expansion and renewals, you need to make sure people are actually using the product and getting more and more value from the varying product features. Second, we talked about sales enablement through the use of product wikis and videos. And third, don't let meetings suck. Meetings can be incredibly efficient if done the right way. Egan's team is utilizing Google Calendar's new agenda feature, which you can create a Google Doc directly from the calendar invite, and this keeps you very organized. If you want to try a more enhanced meeting tool with like integrations into Trello and features like that, hit me up on LinkedIn, happy to make you a beta user of Hole Punch. And if you're looking for something that's a little bit more fully baked and possibly more expensive, go check out hugo.team or Fellow App. Really, really good products to keep your meetings moving forward. 
All right, that's what I've got for today. Join me next week on The Stack and take a second to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Now, because you're interested in this podcast, naturally the next step would be to take my online course all about how you can build your tech stack. All you gotta do is go to stackcourse.io. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'll catch you next week. Thank you.